Saludo mi gente. Welcome to Dismantling the Fuckery, the podcast where we deconstruct the illusion and unleash the fabulosity. I'm your host, Gohenna Angelique, your fierce neurodivergent Juyurican poet and an advocate for decolonial liberation. So get ready to dive into the messy, uncomfortable, and transformative work of dismantling the systems of oppression and the limiting beliefs that hold us back. We're here to reclaim our power, embrace our magic, and rise into fabulosity. So grab your cafe, your te, I don't know, maybe you need a shot, and let's get into some fuckery. Saludo mi gente. Welcome to episode 10 of Dismantling the Fuckery podcast. This is your homegirl, Kohene Angelique, Priestess Angelique. Uh, for those that don't know, Kohene is the Hebrew word for priestess. So there it is. This particular episode is really um, in timing, in divine timing, because uh, we have this weekend coming in. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, which is a Jewish holiday, if you don't know, um, which is, it's it's what we would consider a new year, right? But it's not necessarily the, it's the head of the year. It's not the only kind of like new year in our cycles. And it's really about renewing, refreshing, recommitting um, in so many ways. And I mean, the, the portals within a holiday to me are always a holy day, right? Because that's what holiday is. It's actually two words put together, just in case, because I think we forget, right? Like we take language and we, we speak these things and yet there's so much more to it. Okay. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so there's so many uh, practices and portals in this holiday that are really powerful. Um, it's meant to be a, a holiday of celebration, but it is kind of the first stop in a series of, um, in a series of pathways toward a full embodied human, um, I don't know, human way of being in the world, right? It's like accountability, responsibility, community, right? All these layers, uh, spirituality in relationship to accountability, responsibility, and community, right? Um, and now, you know, one of the things that I think of when it comes to this holiday uh, is that, one, there's a, an enormous amount of rituals that are really beautiful, um, we definitely do our apples dipped in honey as a sign of, right, the, the desire for an auspicious year. Um, there's just so many things. But what I want to focus on in this podcast is about not so much, you know, those other pieces because they're so important and so beautiful and you can go do your homework as I trust you should and would. Um, but there's a practice, it's actually uh, an old practice around changing your name, right? And changing your name, symbolizing the commitment that you're making to be a different person, right? So it's not just like you're just changing your name, you're changing your name, you're changing your patterns and your habits, et cetera, et cetera. Now, bear with me because this is an old practice that at this, because it happened uh, when you know, uh, Sarah, when her whole situation and story was going on that she couldn't have children, et cetera, et cetera, right? The wife of Abraham, um, Avraham Avinu, our forefather, there's this, a name change happened in a most like uh, critical time for Sarah, right? And then who she became and who Abraham became. And it's just this idea of what a name change can do. Now, full disclosure, there was a time where I thought name changing, you know, moving in spiritual communities, you see so many people have go by different titles and and it feels incredibly interesting. There was a time where I was on the other side of the fence and I was like, why are people changing their names? That's just weird shit. Now they're like, you know, 
uh, blue, yellow, orange lotus flower from the, I don't know, you know, from the creek at the edge of the river, right? <laughs> like, I'm like, what the fuck is that if you're not uh, an indigenous person? And what I mean by that is that you're close to your indigenous roots, that your tradition still carries on the names or the naming of a person, because it is believed many, among many traditions that the naming of a person is giving a descriptor to their essence and that a name carries a lot of weight. And that's something that I fascinatingly um, recently had, a, I was ha- having a conversation around, and I think I've mentioned this in one of these podcasts where I was like talking about dating and talking about moving in terms of like engaging externally with the world. Yes, that's how I perceive it. It's like, oh, I'm going out into the, you know, the safari, the Serengeti, some sort of, um, you know, wild landscape. And one of the things that came up for me in the conversation around like why I'm so cautious or, um, in some ways, because I'm very, I'm an Aquarius through and through. And what that means is I'll do and be who I am, <laughs> right? Like, like we can have access to that type of energy where it's like, fuck it. I don't mind being a weird person or fill in the blank, but there are ways that I was still mindful and cautious because I was raised in, in this kind of a texture that, I was always referred to as my mother's daughter, as my father's daughter, as my grandmother's granddaughter. And it was all about the names. It was all about the people, the family, you know, coming from an island that you can't escape that. You can't escape like being somebody's child, right? And that the community refers to you in this way because you have a belonging. Whether you like your belonging or not is a different story, but you had a belonging in terms of whose child you were. And I had realized that for myself, I, as a matriarch of my family, it is very challenging for me at times to just like, you know, whatever, while out. If I'm doing things in a social justice context, it's a little different because I know that I have to break the structure or the construct in order for people to like be able to think differently. But when it comes to my personal life, I'm I'm mindful in the way of my name, my my uh, being, right? Like being the mother of my children and being the priestess and being um, this person who deeply loves the divine, right? Because it's not even like, oh, it's a title that somebody needs to, no, I don't I don't rock like that. That's not my shit. I don't care about that. What I do care about is my relationship to the things. That's what's important to me, not the how the world sees them, but that in my relationship with this, these things that are so important to me, I always want to do right by them. I always want to do honor by them. I always want that. And, and when I fuck up or when I misstep or when I make mistakes, right? Like I own them because I know that to be a liar or to be someone who um, does not take responsibility, does not take accountability is not what I want to leave as a mark in my family. I want to be the person that owns it, no matter how hard it is. And trust me, there's some shit that's been so hard, right? So here's, so bear with me. I'm going somewhere with this, right? So I realized that to me, when people look at me and when people look at my children, they look at me. And when they look at me, they look at my children and that this is my lineage, my legacy, right? In the way of I'm responsible for like how I embody it, not what people think of it in that way. Like somebody thinks we're shit and all of a sudden I'm falling apart. You can think whatever you want to think. <laughs> that, that, that's not the point. But I do have a sense of honor and a sense of relationship to this thing of what it means to be my mother's daughter, my father's daughter, the mother of, the sister of, and it doesn't matter what sketchy shit is on the other side of that my relationship to it is one that is very present with me in a lot of ways that would, and when I realized that I was like, oh shit, right? Like I, with all my, and this, these are the parts where if you don't know a person and you don't get to know a person, right? Like if you don't know me and you haven't spent time with me, you would not know these things in that way. Uh, you would know that I take serious lineage, lineage culture, et cetera, my ethnic identity, my family, but to understand that it means so much to me 
to be a matriarch in my lineage and to be a priestess in my lineage that I'm very conscious about how I move reflects on my people and my children, right? And my family. And that the reflection is must always be a, a reflection of truth, a reflection of devotion, of love, a reflection of, you know, keeping it real 100% a reflection of our values, not a reflection in the way that, you know, people look at me and they say, well, you know, you do this a lot. So you're, no, it's not that, right? It's like reflecting our values into the world is so important to me. Um, and the things that are so important for my family to be in this world, our texture. So, so there's like, there's this, right? there. There's that piece around like my own personal relationship to names to identity and to this belonging. And so if we come back to the concept or the relationship of uh, Rosh Hashanah, this head of the year, this idea of like, you know, here we're going to enjoy, we're going to enjoy the sweetness. We're going to speak into this new number, um, a refreshed commitment of who we are in relationship to the divine. Because in this particular context, right, there's like three books that, that are open. It's a, it's a whole thing, right? It's a whole thing about remembering not just where you come from, but where you're going and who you are in the process and always returning. Everything is teshuva. It's this return to yourself and the essence of the divine within you. And so it made me think of, I, I have an amazing teacher, uh, sister, mentor, all of the things, comrade, Um Ketsira Hamagelet, who is a weaver, badass, just badass. If you don't know, I'm telling you now, go follow their Substack on Instagram, Devotage Arts. Um, You, I mean, she's just an amazing human. So she just did a video that was on TikTok that was inspired me to have this conversation where I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because she has a practice where she's turned around and she names her year right? And in naming her year, she's, you know, setting that intention, that energetic beacon for the quality of the year, right? And it got me thinking about that, that deeper relationship to who are you? What is your name? As you go through cycles of transition and change, because whatever your belief system is, there's this very like, Every single one has these places of transformations where endings and beginnings are happening, um, often liminal and in between spaces. And you see that in your life. You know, you go through cycles of that in every area of your life where it's like you have you may have a pattern or way of being. Then all of a sudden comes this threshold. You're crossing over this like from one moment to the next and you need a bridge in between. Right, which is something temporary that's just going to cross you over because you're in transition. Who you were, you no longer are. And so for me, the question is who and what will be your name in this coming year? And if you don't have this particular practice around Rosh Hashanah because you're not Jewish, then that's perfectly fine. Uh, right? Like, that's great. What I want to ask you is we are still heading into a new moon. We're heading into a new moon, and if you live in the east, um, uh, northeast Turtle Island, um, northeast, I'm a, you know, it's weather today, climate change is real. So, um, and you go through the seasons and the cycles, we're headed into fall. And so there's a very present marker of a time shift with the um, autumn equinox coming as well, right? What do you want? Who do you want to be? Now, I'm going to connect this back again to the world building work that Ari, the dream mommy does, um, which just another plug, right? These are like, these are my people. This so happens to be my eldest uh, who's in this world doing this work around what it means to build a world um, that embodies and reflects who you are and like your highest, uh, highest. And I use that relative to like, your fullest expression and embodiment, right? The, the, the most beautiful possibility that there can be for you in this world, in this time now. How are you being that person? What does that person feel like, live like, uh, eat like, right? Like what does their care look like? Who do you want to be? And what is your name? And so if you, if that's work that you are committed to doing, I'm, I'm the person who's going to, we're going to get into the, 
we're going to get in not just into the possibility of a future, but we're going to, we got to clean up some stuff and shift some stuff and bring some endings. And that's a lot of my work. My, my work is helping us find compassionate moments within ourselves. Uh, well, not compassionate moments, but compassion for ourselves in the process of the complexity of our humanity. Right. And that in healing those things, in healing these places where you thought you had to like entirely ignore them or entirely look away or jump over them, when you heal them and you clean up the energetic, uh, like, um, I want to say, uh, vines or like, you know, uh, attachments that, that a life can create. You have a lot of spaciousness for a future. You have a lot of spaciousness for what is next for yourself. And so I do a lot of that work, right? We come into full acceptance, both of what is shadow, what is light. That's why I use quantum human design to support us in getting language for how we are, who we are, and what does alignment actually look like? Because alignment is a whole experience, it is not just like, it is not just the changing of habits, but it's the changing of an entire identity for you to be in your full alignment because you have to be willing to give up the shit that you were conditioned to. You have to be willing to give up and let that like, let those, those, um, I keep on thinking like tentacles, right? Like these things that have grown on you that are not yours, identity uh, pillars and markers that you have given importance to because you were told to give importance to that, not because it's actually what you value, right? So that's my, my work falls into that realm, right? That's why we dismantle the fuckery. That's why I have energy healing sessions. You know, that's why we're empowering your present and we're we're creating liberation for our future because every moment that you're choosing it and you're in relationship with it, where you have the choice to be in it, then that is an act of liberation that changes our tomorrow and changes the tomorrow for everyone, right? So if you feel like you're like, you know, I have, you know, I show up for this work, I'm totally down and there's still things that I'm unpacking, but I want to start creating a different experience in my reality, in this area, or in my entire life, whatever the case may be, then you know that you're, you can tap into these uh, pathways, right? You can go to the dream mommy and begin to shift your identity, begin to dream of what it can look like. You can also, you know, tapping into devotage arts, Ketsira, it's tapping into very rich, transformational, like tangible ways of moving and creating um, the markers that help you do that transformational shift, right? So it's like, what amulet? What what do you need, right? What do you need in support of that? And so that was a short, like, <laughs> the short shameless plug for the ways that we all can support you and that they're synergistic in the way they move because to change your identity, to change your name, you don't just change the outside without transforming the inside. And to do that is to really come to this place of consciousness with yourself. What have you been called? Right? What have you been called that you are no longer um, responding to? Right? So when we're looking at this, what I'm asking you is to look at, for example, let's say... Um, Let's say I'm writing as I'm actually talking here. Uh, let's say that we're talking about you've been called um, too intense, right? You've been called this all your life and you're done with that. You're done with being named as whatever another perceives of you without getting to actually know you without getting to actually be in relationship of with you. So you've taken on this like, oh, I'm too intense. So much so that you fucking like, you, you, you make sure everybody understands. Well, you know, I know that I'm a little intense, but I know that this may come across intense, but you're like always apologizing for being who you are. But now you're ready to shift that. And so what I want you to do as if, if you're open to it, of course, you know, 
as you're engaging in this new moon, it so happens that today, exactly, well, it's about to change from today to tomorrow, <laughs> today to Friday, today's Thursday, Thursday, the new moon in Virgo, this opportunity in this very real, tangible way, not just like in the mind, if it was an air sign, that would be different, but this is an earth sign. So this is a very practical way of looking at what do you need to be supported to shift and change, transform, obliterate, transmute, whatever you need this to be out of who you've been named, what identity you've taken on, what you're continuously telling yourself on the inside. How can you release that and release what you've been called? So take the time to jot down this new moon. You have been responding. You have been answering to this. You have been answering to that. You have been answering to this. And none of those things are who you are or who you want to be. Or maybe it's who you were. And now you're ready to transform that. So what is your name? What will be your new name? By what will you be called and known and seen? Right? Like, not, and I don't mean the scene, you know, like people, like you do it for people to notice because that's futile, friends. That is futile. If you change, if you transform, if you allow yourself growth, it is, has to be solely between you and you, you and the divine, however you perceive your spiritual praxis, right? But that your change must be your own. You must own it. So when you have people you love in your life and they're like, there is, there's change that's necessary, here's what I need you to understand. You may want to honor them by saying, I will change for you, but please do not. If you are going to change, change because you directly see the benefit, the, 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 the act of power and sovereignty that it is for you to decide to be, to me, it is always more fully oneself because I think our behaviors and our patterns are external shit. That's mired in protection. It's mired in like, you know, what do you think, what you think you need to be, know, or do in order to be protected, right? But when you're transforming or changing yourself or some sort of way of being in this world, it's really because at the essence and the core of yourself, you are that, versus this idea that you have to go outside of yourself and become something else, learn other fill in the blank patterns and habits. And I think that this is where the drop between shifting our identities and shifting our perspectives, this is where the canyon is at, where some folks have a really hard time because they're like, well, you know, I don't want to, <laughs> I think of all the rebuttals because there's so many rebuttals, right? Because what we struggle with is not knowing what the actual question is and what the actual resistance is. Right. So when you're talking about your identity and when you're talking about those things, especially for people who are neurodivergent, neurospace, who have these natural mechanisms of resisting anything anyone demands of them. Right. So like if you're a uh, demand avoidant, um, which is a real thing. And that's cool. Right. It's like learning that what's happening here is you're not being no one is demanding of you to be someone else. The ask is not that. And if someone is is anchoring in that, that may be the problem or the challenge and why you can't find your way inside of that. But if you can reframe that perspective, that it's not you becoming someone else like someone else, but that you're going to be more fully you and that being fully you is being the person who is hopeful, being the person who is uh, tender and gentle, who feels deeply, who sees the world in a particular way because of your brain, because of your essence, right? Like instead of, and I see this a lot when I talk to some folks who are like um, having conversations with me from a... Uh, a very protected place, right? When people are speaking from a protected place, I often hear them say as a like a follow up to their whatever they're sharing, that the truth is, is that deep inside, they're a good person, right? Or they're a soft person, or they're a gentle person. And then you hear a lot of the ways that they feel like they need to protect themselves because of the experiences that they had. So what's actually happening is that your protect you have all these boundaries and protectors around interestingly enough the i'm going to use the word the wrong thing right and the reason why it's the wrong thing it's because what you have you have set a boundary that 
is trapping you. Um, you, you set a boundary that is meant to protect you from the outside on the inside. Do you see what I mean? Like you're, you're meant to have the ones that protect you on the inside, but protect you in the way that it keeps your shit clean and clear and energetically aligned. Meaning like if you're one of those people, you know, we say this, we have the saying where we're like, oh, that person wears their heart on their sleeve as opposed to what's, what's the other person doing? Showing no emotion apparently, right? Very foolish. We are so foolish in this way. It is the most ridiculous thing in the world because what we're trying, we're trying to convey so many things that we use this language that shortcuts us, right? So it's like, well, if somebody's wearing their heart on their sleeve, where the fuck is yours? In a box, in a room, in a vault? <laughs> like, do you not have emotions? We all have them. It's how we process them that we're talking about. And also that if you don't process them, it is extraordinarily uncomfortable when other people are processing theirs when you're running from yours. The extra uh, kind of piece to that is that some people, because they actually don't know how to process the fucking emotions, they become an endless well spring of emotions. And that's how that texture becomes like messy. You know, you feel like that person's like really wanting a response or reaction from you. And you're like, you don't know what to do. And the amount of uh, what would be called quote unquote neediness, which again, it's because there's actual needs that have gone neglected so long, um, is too much for you. It's overwhelming. And that makes sense if you're not accustomed to being with emotions. And then if you see that somebody's textures that they're using those emotional experiences or uh, presencing their emotions without actually holding their own stuff, but they're like slinging it energetically, then you have the right to set boundaries for yourself, not judge their processing because what's happening with their shit is that, yeah, their shit is messy because they're not actually facing or dealing with it. They're just being in the emoting of it and not the processing of it, right? Emotions are just their essences and energies that let us know where what we're experiencing in a very real and tangible way. They're meant to be processed and not stayed forever. They uh, need to be renewed uh, if they're emotions that are generative, right? That on the scale like joy, shit like that, every day you have to choose that you're going to perceive and experience the world as joyful. And that's a choice because you're going to have to be a quasi-detective looking for the joy sparkles or glimmers, folks now call it, right? The glimmers, um, rather than just the red flags in your reality and in your world, right? So being able to look at this place where we are transforming, we're not transforming into someone else outside of ourselves, but the true essence of ourselves, because it is in your essence that the codex, your codex, your language, your work in the world, your work in, in your, like your reality, all of it exists inside of that. All of the things that are holy and beautiful about you and sacred are there. Those are the tender, from that place, the tenderest things come and are worth caring for. And this is why you set boundaries, not to stop you from being yourself, but to protect the thing that's most precious. So for example, if you're in a really toxic relationship that is eroding, eroding your faith as a person, your hope that you are an optimist, you, you're generally an optimist, like in your internal being, you, you see the cup as half full, but you're in a relationship with someone who is constantly seeing the cup as half empty or manipulated, then you have to understand that that's going to erode you at one point or another. There is no, I repeat, let me say this for everybody all the way in the back of the room. I repeat you cannot convince someone or like instill inside of them the value for something that they don't value yet. What do I mean by that? You are not going to be able to sustain your hope and faith, which must be fed like fire, right? Like wood to the fire, 
You got to feed it every day with, you know, looking at things from a positive perspective or a loving with loving eyes, if that makes if that feels better than the word fucking positive, right? With loving eyes, if you have people on the inside, I just did this podcast, we talked about this, right? Why we need boundaries in certain ways and in particular context, because what tends to happen here is that if you have that behavior, that engagement on the inside, I promise you that that thing will be like a, the energy of that will be like a black hole. You will be burnt out and exhausted at the end of the relationship or whatever is left of the relationship. And you will not have won that person over to joy. I promise you that because it is an inside fucking job. You may get somebody to like, you know, try to look at things from a better perspective. But if they're, if they're fucking married to misery, they got a long way to go. It's not hopeless, but neither are you the hope of. You have to embody that for yourself and they have to choose it for themselves. So it's really important to be able to set boundaries that are going to preserve your hope and your faith. And I'm not talking about the disassociative shit. I'm talking about real like grounded hope and faith, right? That is who you are. You see the world, you see everything in that way. So then your job is to create boundaries. So one, it protects that essence of you. So that is always well, it is always nourished, it is always cared for. And then it also protects others when you have these protections because they learn if they don't know how to be with that or handle that, then they'll respect the lines by which they cannot step in, right? Like just Wally walk their asses in there because, because you seem like a fill in the blank, right? So I want to make that clear because I think that this is where it gets funky. You're not, boundaries are not just like, they're not meant to protect you from experiencing pain. They're meant to protect the essence of you that already is. And that to change your name, to change your identity is not about changing the identity of who you actually fully are from the essence inside out. It's actually giving up all the names you've been called from the outside that have been assigned to you that you do not fucking resonate with. You do not want to be, embody, toil with, contend, fill in the blank. Uh, let me Let me put this another way. All the ways that you have been struggling or suffering because of a particular uh, thing that you're chasing. For example, if you look at your professional career, whatever you want to call that thing, (laughs) your work in the world is what I call it. When you look at that thing and you're looking at it from a perspective that you're trying to get uh, the admiration, the respect of others by doing this thing and you're doing it in a way that everybody under- understands it so you don't seem like a weirdo, you, ha- you are out of alignment because you, your job is to, to own and be in relationship with your essence so that you're living your life from that because that's going to have alignment, it's going to have energy, it's going to have everything you need to sustain your journey in this lifetime. And that to me is the, 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 it's a world of difference from all the, the yakety yak that's going on in the world around all of this stuff, right? It's like, wait, no, 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 hold on, time out. Because in order for you to create a reality, it already has to be connected to an embodied uh, essence because you're hoping or dreaming for something different is that hope and dream for something different that comes from that inner place generally is not about the look of a thing, right? So for example, my relationship to being a healer, my relationship to doing the work that I do in the world is not about being a priestess. I appreciate the name, right? The naming of it, because I think it's helpful for people and for myself at times. But it is because at the essence, even if I was fucking uh, tending sheep, haha old school reference, right? Even if I was fucking a a sheep herder, a shepherd, a shepherdess, I would still be fucking like trying to talk to the sheep and try to figure out how I can support the sheep in sheeping. (laughs) I would still be the essence of who I am. No matter the context or no matter the name. And so what we're looking for when we're trying to create, and this is for me big, this is big because 
for me, there's a lot of questions around what what is happening as an experience, right? And I, uh, my son and I yesterday were doing, I recorded a little bit of our conversation. We were talking about manhood and we were talking about like how bizarre we are as humans. Um, it was a very Aquarian, uh, Aquarian conversation. Um, we, we went the spectrum, right? But in this idea that our, our essence is so invaluable, who we are as people and being the fullness of that is, is the fucking job, is the fucking work, right? And so if you, if you're a pattern organizer in the world, be a fucking pattern organizer, but don't oppress people with your pattern organizing. That's your fucking job, right? It may not be my job, but that you can be fully who you are and express as fully who you are. That's the mission because that essence that you are is what is part of the collective is what we need and, and what you need. And, and this is why you're so needed in the world. And and no longer shaping your life around the the qualifications or the quantifications of systems that you were not for you were, were they were not meant for humans. This idea of choosing just one profession or this one identity, um, being called certified by a group of people, all of those things, right? Like these weren't the. This is uh, uh, the aftermarket contraptions, right? Before that, you had an essence, you had a way of being that was just who you are. And that's what we're returning to. We're returning to an essence, a Rosh Hashanah and the new moon cycles. What we're saying is that we have an opportunity to do a reset here. And this reset, I want to do it consciously. So I will be calling myself by the name of love. I will be calling myself by the name of possibility. I will be calling myself by the name of flourish and body. Whatever you want to name yourself, your year, your shifting, your month right? Your week, your day, you get to do that. And you may never change your name. Now, my name has changed, right? Like I go by Kohena Yah or, um, uh, you know, or Priestess Angelique. And there's, there's iterations of my shit. La Comadre. Yes, yes, yes. All of those things. They're wonderful. You know, some people find it comical and some people don't. Nobody fucking cares. It's not that serious, right? Um, it's not that serious because the only person that it matters is to me and what it means to me to do those things. But it's never to move me away from my essence. It's to bring me closer and deeper within and the relationship of releasing the conditioning, right? The relationship of releasing the names that others have given me and the demands that have come with those identities that I know I don't subscribe to, but I didn't know, right? I didn't realize that I was chasing the... um You know, that through your work or through your relationships or through... I don't know, you pick it, you through your, you know, your exercising, whatever it is, you were seeking to get another need met and not necessarily expressing the truest intention toward yourself. And what I mean by that is loving yourself means that you would engage in your body in a way that is honorable no matter what, that uh, gives it the best opportunity no matter what. You're not over here fucking killing yourself six days a week at the gym so that you can, look, you can be considered or be um, uh, adored as, you know, a fucking Greek goddess or a Greek god or some sort of like imagery of right? That of admiration, because what you're really hungry for is to be seen, valued, and heard, but you're getting that need met by this external bullshit idea. Well, work out all you want. I don't fucking care if that makes you happy, if that brings you joy in terms of you feel more in your body. But if you're working out and you're still fucking disconnected from your body because you think it's an aesthetic, baby, that nothing about that is sexy or appealing because it means that it's empty gesture to not to me, to yourself. That you're doing this, you know, beautifying ritual because you believe what the structure says that for you to um you know, lamb the the person or to be considered the successful person, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you have to look like this and you have to have this type of lifestyle. If you've bought into that, then you've bought into an externalization. You've bought into the na- someone else naming you. Now you're successful because you're um, recognizable. 
your success is recognizable, right? Rather than what makes you an amazing human, what makes you a beautiful human, what makes you sexy as fuck is that you are so connected with your body, so connected with your being that you take your happy ass to the gym because you just want to, you want to take care of it. You understand that you need to take care of it for no one else, for nothing else, just you, because you respect your body that much. That's a whole vibe. You don't have to make believe. That's a whole fucking vibe that you're that deeply connected. And that is my, that's my uh, offering to you on this new moon in this Rosh Hashanah is this idea of what, what name? What is your name? Who are you? Give us the privilege, give us the honor, give us the blessing of being able to look into your eyes and see you and get to know you because you yourself are releasing deconditioning, uh, very human design language, deconditioning, right? Like like releasing these identities, ideas, ways of being, or uh, these square uh, fucking holes of being around peg that you're trying to stick yourself in. When you let that shit go, you let that rat race go, you let that, you know, you release your relationship to those identities. That's when you begin to find yourself and I promise you, I, I don't promise or swear by thing, all of that shit, um, uh, what you might call it, uh, you know, um, unconsciously or haphazardly, right? Like that's not my shit. If I tell you that I'm positively sure, this I know, very Oprah, this I know for sure is that when you begin to abandon those things, let go of your relationship to it because you actually are chasing something and not embodying yourself, right? When you let go of that shit, what you're going to find will bring you joy all the days of your life because it will be you. It will be the essence of your being. It will be the purest essence of your neshama, your soul, your spirit. And that being with the fullest essence of yourself, you can't go wrong with that. And what I mean by that is I don't think we're fucking um, nightmares on Elm Street at the essence of our being. We become those things by the experiences, by the challenges of the world and the context that we live in, right? Like in reaction. Um, and we can argue all the genetic shit, but again, it's in reaction to an inhabitation that wasn't suitable for humans, whether it's relational, the dynamics of relationships, right? Or whatever it is, or the dynamic of the village that taught us to be in ways that continuously pass down from generation to generation. I also think that this is how psychopaths come about. This is how, right? Like, you know, all of the things come about is because of human reactions that over time become solidified into these type of personalities that move genetically, that change and shape shift the person in its entirety. Is there hope for folks? It's depending though the amount of work and support they're willing to get. But if they're, you know, if you're off doing some skanky shit, then obviously you're you would have to be boundaried in a certain type of way, right? Because you're a danger to yourself or others. So those are the that's but that's a different ball. That's a different ball game and a different conversation with so many nuances. I don't have space for that. But coming back to this idea, your essence is not an asshole. And nowadays, you can't trust what people are calling assholes or not assholes because we have a white politic in our world, or at least in the United States, right, where our behavior is highly indicated and dominated by the 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 absence of culture. To me, white supremacy is an absence of culture because it's you know it made everybody everybody the same in in groupings is what I'm saying, not equal, not none of that shit. Let's not get that twisted, right? And so you have this non-culture, you have this this entity, this thing that has created what's what is okay, what's not okay, has tried to set law down on that so that if you tell somebody no without over-explaining yourself, you sound like an asshole. And so people consider that to be an asshole. So people should just crook it. And, and so what I'm saying is that there's a cultural conditioning 
that that's a different conversation or not and not not different an extra level of the conversation that I'm not going to go into here but all of that to say that being an asshole like who defines that matters so I believe that our essence in our essence as humans as the the when you catch us in the most vulnerable moments in your fucking life that person right there the one that um it makes me think of like, you know, they say like people, you know, when you have addictions, um, you know, the what an addiction can give you, or what the drug, whatever the drug is, what it gives you is some some sort of distorted permission to be fully yourself. That's why people enjoy the relief of it. You know, I think of people who say they drink uh, when they're being social. And the reason why they drink when they're being social is because it helps lubricate the experience. It brings down their anxiety. We also know that it releases their inhibitions. And so shit goes sideways all the fucking time. Because who they get to be, they get to have some sort of access to themselves in that way. Right. And so I want us to hold that because I think it's really important to understand that there's an essence to all of us that's fighting and that we fight. It fights to stay alive. We fight to control it based on whatever our human experiences are. And so here's 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 the the close to this. Here's what I want you to be with. If, of course, you you want to step into this deep, multi-layered, multi-dimensional experience and play in a new moon or in a new year, whatever the case may be, is really thinking about how can you access, nourish, um, cultivate, empower the fullest of your essences. And this may just be, and the reason why I say I pluralize that, pluralize, <laughs> I pluralize that new word, um, is because... You know, I think the process of deconditioning will give us access to parts of ourselves. And so you get to work with what you get to work with. You know, you may have access to working on your profession. Let's call it that your work in the world, because that may be something you have more available access to. So you work on that and you peel back the layers of that. And maybe later on, it's your relationship. And maybe later on, it's your self-belief around your body. And maybe later on, whenever, whatever the thing is, sometimes if you've experienced a lot of harm and a lot of um, suppression, you have a long way to go before you even know all the pieces that that you possess because they've been so suppressed or you've had traumatic experiences that have created like a paralysis or an atrophy that all of that can be worked with all of that can be transformed right but you have to be patient with yourself because you have to rebuild your internal trust system this is that that question can you trust you with you and if you can trust you with you, then that means you can trust yourself enough to tell the truth about experiences and about actions that are clear. And what I mean by that is that you're able to say, you know, I, I wasn't my best here. Um, and or, you know, this is really great. That lit me up. I felt I felt alive in that moment. I felt alive doing that thing and not the distorted stuff. I feel alive when I fill in the blank and that that gives you back an essence of yourself. And so for me, there's these pieces around understanding that you may need to be re rebuild your internal trust in order for these other areas of your life to surface so that you can understand where you're not being your full self, your essential self, your beautiful self, and where you've taken on the naming and the identity that you were given, you know, and this happens a lot. This is why childhood trauma is so challenging because we have to unearth things from a root system. We're not fucking talking about the surface. We're talking about having to dig in and pull that thing out. Um, so because at the root, it's already uh, severely like entrenched and damaged, right? And what I mean by that is like, that's where it, it kind of strangled out the tree or whatever the aspect of your life that um, was a threat to the adults around you or whatever the case may be, right? Like whatever the experience was. It was, it was so much that it needed, somebody thought that needed to be subdued. So they behaved in this way unconsciously or consciously, right? So you have to go back to the roots to untangle these vines and these threads and these webs that have almost calcified onto the rooting system 
in order to survive and it kept you small and it keeps that aspect of your life and your emotions or your being and your essence really contracted so that it doesn't feel safe. And so you have to build the trust and the safety with yourself to know that you're not going to be like, you're going to ask this part of yourself to come forward uh, for its fullest, to, to really live in its fullest essence. Meanwhile, you've been shitting on yourself, talking to yourself negatively in that area of your life for over God, over 15 years, over 20 years, 30 years, go on and so forth, right? There's not, there's no way that aspect of yourself is going to feel safe enough. So you must, you must be in the practice and the everyday choice of building and rebuilding and refreshing your relationship with yourself, showing yourself that you will show up for you. You will take your stand for you. You will also repair the boundaries. You will also care with loving kindness, not some sharp shit where you're kicking your own ass and tough loving it. That's not what that part of you actually needs. What it actually needs to build trust is that you are you can be trusted to be gentle with that part of you to love and be tender with that part of you. So with all these little threads of nuances around what is your name? Who are you? What are you called? And where you no longer want to be called is something that I think would be a powerful new moon Rosh Hashanah uh, ritual engaging, but not one that just begins at these junctures, but one that you're choosing every day so that we can know you by your name and your essence. So I love you. I hope that this was beneficial. I hope that it was um, nourishing. And Lashana Tova, if you um, celebrate Rosh Hashanah, may you have, may it be so sweet, may this year coming in the 5784, may it be so fucking nourishing, so beautiful that the tears you cry are of beauty and that may they be more than the ones you cry of sorrow. That is my wish for you. I love you. Muchas bendiciones. Le deseo lo mejor que esta vida y todo lo mundo y, y todas las dimensiones le puedan ofrecer si se dejan amar de esa manera. I wish you all the beauty and the blessings um, that every dimension can offer you and reminding you that you are worthy to be loved and let it love you. Let it love you. That is your choice. Can you let yourself be loved? Hasta luego. Bueno, mi gente. Thank you for joining me on this wild and liberating journey of dismantling the fuckery. Remember... We are the architects of our own liberation. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your people. Do all the things. You know what it takes for us to keep these frequencies rolling. Together, we will transform the world from a place of fuckery into a realm of unapologetic fabulosity. Stay fierce, my loves, stay fabulous, and keep dismantling. And if you want me or need me, yes, you heard me say that right, you know where to find me at priestessingliberation.com. Nos vemos ahorita. Adios.